This program is brought to you by the Genesis Communications Network, a world leader in talk radio since 1998. Visit GCNlive.com today. The gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Back with Gene and Chris in the Paracast. And before we proceed with our guest, Nick Redfern, who is already here and waiting with bated breath to talk to us about women in black and such, I thought that Chris and I would recap or expand upon something that we mention on After the Paracast. And if you're wondering what After the Paracast is, it is our premium show that comes as part of the Paracast Plus. So you get the commercial-free version of this show, you get After the Paracast and other things. So we mentioned it briefly there. And we talked about a gentleman from the UK named Isaac Coy, and that's a pseudonym because he works as a barrister, kind of a lawyer in England and doesn't want his connection to UFOs to be known. And we understand people have their priorities. So evidently here, and this is very, very complicated, but Isaac has been digitizing older UFO magazines and such. And he's been doing it for a while and he's really doing a lot of work there, great work, presenting a free digital archive of all these great publications from the 50s and 60s and 70s, you know, before we had digital stuff. Doing really good work. And this is complicated, and Chris, maybe you can help me figure this out. So we have Ted Rowe from NARCAP, who evidently left NARCAP and started his own organization with Erica Lukes. Do I have it right? Yep, so far. I'm going to mention it because it is an issue here very quickly. In brief, they are accused of threatening to out Isaac Coy, in other words, reveal his real identity. But to be perfectly fair, they say they did no such thing. Because he made some comment about their organization, and they took exception to it. And to retaliate, they threatened to, I don't know, somehow they've, they've gotten a hold of a picture of him at some conference, and they're going to figure out who, is, you know, who he is and out him on the internet. He claims that he's, this Isaac Coy, claims he's a barrister in England and that it would be real detrimental to his, um, you know, his job and his uh, prestige (laughs) if he was tarnished and and slimed by an association with the UFO field. And so that's why he has a pseudonym. And he's been doing very excellent work for many years and has managed to digitize quite a number of old publications that very few people have access to and put them into a place where you can download them and have easy access to them. You know, you, you go ahead, Gene, take it from here. It, it's so, it's, it, Nick, and this is what Nick and I both would agree that this is what we dislike most about the field, but, but continue. Now, as I said, we have that version of the story And they deny they ever made any effort to disclose his real name. Just putting that in perspective, but I'll continue with this anyway. Now, I have no idea what impact this would have in his career, but Isaac Coy did post a letter on Facebook and elsewhere saying he's getting out. That's it. 
you know, he can't go on with this and whatever it is that could happen to him in terms of feedback, maybe his employer would object to his association with UFOs. We have no idea. He is entitled to his personal life. He's entitled to use a pseudonym. Actors use pseudonyms. Authors use pseudonyms. He's entitled to his privacy. And now, evidently, he's given it up. He's no longer going to digitize any of this material. Because, as I said, there's this disputed version of whether these two people got upset. I'm sure that most listeners are wondering, what's this all about anyway? But this is the crazy UFO field sometimes. Silly things happen that make no sense. I'm not going to even consider why Ted Rowe may not be at NARCAP anymore. You know, tell people what NARCAP is. Okay, yeah. Everything here has to be filled in with explanations. And so NARCAP is an organization called National Aviation Reporting Center on Anomalous Phenomena. In other words, they call UFOs UAP, just like Hillary Clinton did. And Richard Haynes and Ted Rowe were the people behind it. And both have been on the Paracast, and we thought they were great guests. Very knowledgeable, very scientific in their approach. So I guess if I take this correctly, Ted Rowe is not with them anymore and started his own organization. Somehow Erica Lukes, who was one of the big investigators for MUFON, was also involved. Now, after that, we're really getting in the weeds here. So I think we're going to leave it there, except to say this is an example of the things that upset us the most about ufology. It's why I, I cringe whenever somebody refers to me as a ufologist. I, I, I very quickly and politely and, and you know, kind of low, in a low-key way, correct them and say, please don't call me that. I don't consider myself to be that. It's like <laughs> using a four-letter word to Chris. It's just, and, and so many of our listeners really don't care. They don't have any interest in personality conflicts and backbiting and the behind-the-scenes uh, political wranglings and, and tiffs that people have, rows over row and <laughs> goy. I think Nick would agree that, um, I, I mean, I, I know I, I would never refer to Nick as a, as a ufologist, even though he has written many books about the subject and has investigated uh, quite a number of cases on his own and uh, with others. But, uh, Nick, do you consider yourself, well, first of all, welcome to the show, and I'm, I'm glad I'm here this time. I think I've missed your last two appearances uh, for one reason or another. Welcome back. But what, do you consider yourself a ufologist? No, I would consider myself uh, someone who investigates a lot of mysteries that interest me, and one of them happens to be UFOs. But cryptozoology is also a big uh, interest of mine, some aspects of the paranormal. And so I don't even think I'd have... I I guess the closest label, I would say, would be like a a paranormal researcher, um, because the paranormal, you know, can cover pretty much any aspect of... unusual phenomena but um i mean to get to the you know the thrust of what you were talking at the beginning um you know a lot of people actually kind of find it quite surprising when they find out when it comes to ufos and paranormal i'm pretty much in sort of my own little bubble i don't follow the whole he said this she said that the gossip the scandal who's doing who you know i just i just don't care 
you know, because I enjoy having a normal <laughs> life. As well, I just I just don't care about all the personality clashes and all that kind of stuff. Only from the perspective of, I guess the the one thing that I did enjoy in that angle because it was done well was Jim Mosley's source of smear. You know, just to but to have to listen to a bunch of people arguing about, well, I'm going to be the president or, and I'm going to be the vice president and you can be the chairman and we're going to change the name to this or that and we're going to, you know, I just couldn't care less about it and I don't even follow it. Um, you know, I, there's not much I can say about the story you'd mentioned because I haven't actually heard about it until... You just briefly mentioned it at the start of the show. You know what? I'm going to say this quickly and let's close it off. Let me say this quickly and close it off. The only reason it makes any difference to me at all is because it impacts somebody who's trying to do something good and trying to give people a repository of really good information they can look over. And I don't think that he's bothered anybody. And I guess if he said something that upset them, well... That's something that could be resolved, I would have hoped, in a way that doesn't threaten this person's position and force him to give this all up. And that's what upsets me. Otherwise, I don't care about the organizational structure or why they did this or why there's NARCAP and why Ted Rowe is here and Erica Lukes is there and why there's MUFON. I couldn't care less. When it impacts someone who I regard as just an innocent victim here, that upsets me, and I think that's the point here. We'll get away from that totally. I just wanted to bring you up to date. We have Nick Redfern. We have Christopher O'Brien, the first time with Nick in a couple of attempts. With Gene Steinberg, you're in the Paracast. Neighbors. I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app. It's the award-winning Graphic Converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features. And most important, it's easy to use. It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Let me spell that www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-704-6182. A Place for Mom offers free one-on-one advice from local advisors and a personalized list of senior living communities you can visit. If you have questions about senior care for your mom or dad, there's a place for answers, a place for mom. 
Call A Place for Mom in the next 10 minutes to get your free ebook on financing senior care as well as free information on senior living communities in your area. Call 1 800 704 6182. That's 1 800 704 6182. Paid non attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas, is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice, and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention, Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24 7. Call 800 261 That's 800 261 Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Mineral Doctor. You've heard me talk about 90 for Life for years. 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 2 fatty acids. You may not know this, that I've actually designed Arthur decks for animals. That's right. Your pets need 90 for Life, too. Get this essential pet product by calling 877-279-9422. That's 877-279-9422. Again, 877-279-9422. Are you retired or facing retirement and you're afraid your income is going to be less than you'd like? I'm Pharmacist Keith. Dr. Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy, and I want to show you a low-cost way to create your own business, working around your current schedule, creating extra income that will last for years to come by joining Dr. Wallach's crusade, spreading his message of better health. To learn more, visit radio.recordedvideo.com. That's radio.recordedvideo.com, radio.recordedvideo.com, or call 866-257-3105 for a recorded message. How confident are you in your food storage? If it was all you had to rely on, would it sustain your family? Hard times, good times, or any time? New Mana Storable Food is the proven superior choice. Learn for yourself what happened when one man ate only New Mana Storable Food for an entire month. Online at PowerPrepper.com. That's PowerPrepper.com. Experience the New Mana difference. America-made food storage. I love to eat. Yum! We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Okay, so before we leave the subject of Isaac Coy and his reasons for leaving the field, Nick, you wanted to say something. Well, yeah, one thing I would say is that, you know, I think despite the fact that I don't sort of follow all the gossip and the scandal and, uh, like I said, who's talking to who and who isn't talking to anybody else anymore or whatever, this actually isn't anything sort of unique to ufology. This is how human beings act. And you can find that, I'm quite sure, in, I don't know, the local golf club, you know, about who's going to be president or who's going to do this, or, you know, in people who... I don't know, collect old movie posters or something like that. And, you know, they argue about who's going to sell this at this convention or whatever. It, all it comes down to just people. Ufologists aren't ufologists. Ufologists are people. And people sometimes act like asses, you know. And so that's why I just don't bother with it, because I just, I just literally cannot be bothered to waste time when I could be having a good time, you know. Or, or be drawn into it like you were with the uh, really tawdry uh, Roswell Slides episode. Oh, well, you... that, that was a little bit different because that was based around, you know, an investigation. 
of an aspect of ufology. Now, I'm all up for like a good solid debate and heated argument on the merits or the lack of merits of a UFO case. That's miles apart from, oh, have you heard of what so-and-so's done and so-and-so said this? You know, and it actually has nothing to do with the phenomenon or the phenomena themselves. Now, the, the slides angle did. It had a bearing on the Roswell case until it all fell apart, you know. So in that sense, I'm on the ball and, and follow those kind of things because it's part of ufology as a phenomenon. But somebody said, oh, well, Nick Redfern, don't wear ties and shirts and, and jackets for conferences. I'm like, well, no. And, you know, I, I just, you know, it's not important. It's like totally irrelevant to anything I do. And pondering on why somebody else in ufology had an argument with somebody else. I'd rather watch paint dry on the wall. You know what I mean? All right. I don't <laughs> want to do this because you mentioned Roswell slides. <laughs> there is an article at Kurt Collins site blueberry lines where he talks about this isaac coy thing and you ready for this the attack on isaac coy is erica luke's revenge enacted by ted rowe fallout in part from the roswell slides fiasco i kid you well, again, not you know what this demonstrates is that when it comes to things like the, Ro the roswell slides things become personal and inflammatory if somebody said to me they disagree with a theory that I had, then we can sort of discuss that and fight it out on a radio show or whatever. If somebody says I'm full of you know, reference full of you know what, then I would attack that person personally, you know what I mean? Because that's like making a personal attack instead of focusing on the case. And again, you know, it demonstrates human nature far more than it does anything about ufology, you know, it's... Um, it demonstrates like a lack of maturity is what it demonstrates. God, get a life, people. You know, I, it's just, for me, I just don't understand the concept of wasting time and, you know, getting on the phone to your phone buddies and saying, oh, have you heard what's going on? Was it something to do with UFOs or is it, you know, somebody was caught screwing somebody else's husband or wife or whatever in an event? You know what I mean? It's two different oh, things. Oh, really? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> but, you know, I've kind of been a bit jokey here, but my, my point is that if I'm going to talk about UFOs for two hours, I'd rather talk about the phenomenon than go on about what he said, what she said, because... What does it achieve at the end of the day? It achieves one thing, that people argue over things that really get something better to do, you know. Tempest in a teapot. Well, folks, if you read this stuff online, and there's so much junk out there, and now we have the term fake news, and this will join it. I just say get away from it. We're trying to provide a little bit of a reality check here, and let's just get on with our stuff with Nick Redfern. And Nick, of course, every time he comes on the Paracast... He's written another book, and a recent one we wanted to get into here just because of the nature of it, which is a book called The Women in Black, Women in Black, The Creepy Companions of the Mysterious MIB. Now, to be politically correct, Nick, can't we have the people in black or? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, yeah. I tried. Somebody did actually ask me after having done 
three books on the men in black and now the women in black, somebody did, did say to me, are you going to do like brothers and sisters in black and grandparents in black? <laughs> and, which I thought was kind of funny, but no, that's probably not going to happen, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> Just imagine how many potential cases you have in uh, fundamentalist, uh, you know, Muslim countries. You know, get a mysterious knock at the door, and there's a woman from from top of their head to to her feet covered in black with some cryptic message. Well, I guess that technically would be a woman in black, but it wouldn't be necessarily a woman in black. You know, <laughs> it's just a woman dressed in black. <laughs> yeah, a wib. <laughs> exactly. Well, this is news to me. I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm fairly up to speed, I think, and at least the MIB phenomenon. And you know, I, I'm scratching my head trying to recall an example of a, of, of women in black being associated with threatening visits and uh, you know attempts to uh, silence uh, experiences and witnesses and that sort of thing. What prompted you to to first of all to even dive into this particular subject was there a particular case that really really caught your attention and caused you to scratch your head and think that there was maybe something to this well it was a couple of things really one was the the angle that there were sort of pre-existing stories like for example john keel in the mothman prophecies talks about mysterious women turning up on people's doorsteps after ufo encounters and they'd very often be dressed in black and they would pose as gypsies or as census takers, and you know they would try and find ways into the home, and then they would start with kind of questions. There was also the story, quite a well-known story, about John Keel's secretary, this mysterious woman going around Point Pleasant, kind of overstepping the mark when trying to get information out of Mothman and UFO witnesses in Point Pleasant, and then, of course, Keel had to tell everybody, well, I don't have a secretary. So there were stories like that, but as I mentioned sort of just a few minutes ago, having written three books on the men in black, you know, I get a lot of feedback from people who read the books, who hear me on shows, in the same way that I'm sure people like Kevin Randall, who have written, you know, quite a few Roswell books, he gets a lot of feedback on Roswell. Somebody who writes about haunted houses gets a lot of feedback on haunted house stories. With the men in black book, books that I've written, over the years, you know, you get a lot of feedback, and I would probably say out of every 15 or 20 cases, I would get one or two where the witness would say, you know, I read your book or heard you on the show, but I wanted to tell you about my story, but it was a little bit different. You know, there was a threat, I'd seen something, there was a threat, etc., etc., but it was from a woman in black rather than a man in black. We have Nick Redfern talking about the women in black. With Gene and Chris, you're in Paracast. The Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. You've been hearing Dr. Wallach talking about 90 essential nutrients, keeping the body healthy. GCNteam.com now has Beyond Tangy Tangerine Tablets, 60 plant-derived minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, packed in a powerful tablet. But that's not it. 160,000 auric points, a knockout punch to free radicals. Call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. That's 877-878-4203. 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I'm here to tell you about GCNTelecare.com, a team of board-certified doctors assisting you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Within 15 minutes of registration, care your family can afford. Revolutionizing the healthcare industry, virtual consulting, providing diagnosis of non-emergency medical issues by phone or secure video on computer or smart mobile devices. GCNTelecare.com, virtual care anywhere. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. Do you feel like you're losing control over your finances? If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services and take advantage of the Fresh Start program and new laws that may allow Allow us to negotiate a settlement for the lowest amount possible. Our team of tax attorneys and enrolled agents can stop collections and get you protected so you can take control of your financial future. Tax Mediation Services is accredited by the Better Business Bureau. Call now for a free case review and a price protection guaranteed quote. Call Tax Mediation Services now at 800-615-7709. That's 800-615-7709. 800-615-7709. Are you happy washing your hands with harsh chemicals? Are you happy doing laundry with detergents? Are you happy paying high prices? Find your happiness with Pure Soap. These all-natural, earth-friendly Pure Soaps are the very best you've ever used. Buy in bulk. Get a 12, 36, or 48-month supply. Or get items individually and still save big. You're getting soap products twice as good as what you're using now. Earth-friendly and natural soaps. Your family deserves the best. Happiness is 5starsoap.com. Why not put your money up the drain for a change? See them at 5starsoap.com or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. CalBen's Soap Company can save you thousands of dollars and give you good old-fashioned real soaps that are triple concentrated. Soaps made from vegetable and coconut oils. See their full selection of soaps at 5starsoap.com. That's F-I-V-E starsoap.com. Or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. Attention small business owners. Want to save money on your employee health insurance plan? Learn the little-known solution that could save thousands of dollars on your health insurance benefits and save your employees money, too. Call Health Markets for a free consultation, and one of our 3,000 local agents will show you how to make health care reform work for you. We'll design customized solutions for your business that can lower health care costs for you and your employees. We'll work directly with you to determine your needs. We search thousands of health plans from over 180 health insurance companies nationwide. You'll also find out if tax credits could save you money. Best of all, the service is free of charge. See why Health Markets has enrolled Americans in more than 2 million insurance policies. You don't have to wait for open enrollment to lower your cost. Call now. Find out how much you and your employees could be saving. Representatives are standing by to assist you. Call 800-930-5137. That's 800-930-5137. This is Jacques Vallée. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
So we have Chris O'Brien trying to do the voice of a woman in black with Nick Redfern. <laughs> We're talking about Nick's book, Women in Black. Go on, please. Well, yeah, just before the break, you know, I was saying how for every couple, you know, every sort of 15, 20 reports, I get a couple of cases where the witnesses said, I had an experience very similar to that which you described in the book or on the radio show, except the person who threatened me was a woman in black rather than a man in black. And I first got one of these cases personally, probably around about 2007, uh, which was not long after my first book on the subject, on the trail of the Saucer Spies, collected these reports together. And to the point where earlier this year was when finally I'd got enough material to justify writing a book on the subject. But as I said, I couldn't have done it had it not been for the fact, you know, that so much feedback came in. And then, you know, I asked the people, can I speak to you at length? Can we do an interview? Would you be okay about using the story? Et cetera, et cetera. So it was very much a case of looking at the smaller number of pre-existing reports combined with the new ones, or in some cases old reports, but which were newly reported, so to speak, um, that, that allowed me to do it, really. Now, looking at the descriptions of women in black, do they look like men in black? Yeah, they are actually very similar, where they wear like a black outfit, but they they kind of look weird and kind of a little bit strange, and very pale skin. They often are seen wearing these long black wigs, which are very often in like bangs, you know, so the hair comes right down to the eyebrows and sort of folds in around the face, you know. They wear these large wraparound sunglasses and they look strange and they, they act strange. And like the men in black, they sort of turn up at people's doors late at night, you know, wait to be invited in and and then grill the witnesses, basically. And most people get like a really creepy vibe from them, even if, as in some cases, you know, they're really good looking, but people just get this unsettling vibe that, you know, they just want to get as far away from them as possible. Now, I want to just bring that back because we hear that so much in the so-called vampire lore. So when a man in black or a woman in black comes to your home, is the key to invite them in? They can't come in unless you invite them in? Well, certainly that doesn't occur in every case, but there are a lot of cases where they sort of almost patiently stand on the doorstep. And that also goes for the the stories of the so-called black-eyed children as well. You know, they all kind of seem somehow interconnected. You know, you've you've got the black clothing with the men in black. You know, they've got the black fedoras, black eyed children have got the black hoodies, the women in black have got the black wigs. You know, there's all these similar similarities. And when you kind of put it all together, you do have this pattern where these things, you know, none of them clearly are from, like, the FBI or the NSA. You know, that's that's more to do with the, the movie incarnations. And certainly, if you go back to the early 50s, the men in black, you know, they were described as extremely creepy and straight through, you know, with John Keel. I mean, if you read Mothman Prophecies or any of his other books, the men in black don't sound anything like from the government. And, uh, and that's the same with the women in black. But whatever they are, you know, they're not from the Pentagon or, or the, you know, the British Ministry of Defence or anything like that whatsoever. Um, there are a lot of weird paranormal overtones with the women in black stories as well, in, in the same way that there are, you know, with the men in black cases. So it's it's 
it, you know, it kind of gets back to what Chris said that, um, you know, do I consider myself a ufologist? Now, I would say no. And although the vast majority of the cases in the book are focused around UFOs, I wouldn't actually say it's a UFO nuts and bolts book because it isn't, because it, you know, it sort of goes into a lot of other areas of the occult and the paranormal, which cross over into the women in black mystery in the same way that they do, you know, with the men in black. Do they drive uh, brand new looking um, Cadillacs from the 50s or? Well, you know, that's an interesting thing because I actually don't have many cases like that where they do turn up in the cars. Um, you know, the men in black, particularly the 50s and 60s, you know, that's all they did. <laughs> that's all they drove. Um, the, the women in black, like a lot of the men in black stories, it's almost like they materialize at the front door and then when, you know, the threat's over and they leave the front door, it's like they've just blinked out of existence. Um, you know, so it's a very it's a very odd phenomenon in that sense as well, you know, um, when we look at who or what these things are. Do we get a, a sense of, of, of possibly what sort of agenda they might have other than silencing witnesses? Is Is there any... Any sort of um, significant, uh, you know, patterns through the um, through the accounts that uh, might tie them together. Well, yeah, there are actually a few really weird cases where the witnesses to the women in black have said that when you know, and it's usually just one woman. You know, if you look back at a lot of the old stories, it was usually three men, or you know, very often two. Very rarely in the early years, at least, was it just one. But the women in black do tend to turn up mainly, you know, just on their own, just one of them. But there are a lot of weird cases where the witnesses have said that when the women in black were in their presence, they kind of started to feel like sick and weak and lightheaded as if they were losing all their energy. And more than a few people have said, you know, I'm paraphrasing now, they didn't obviously use the same words, but basically felt they were sort of, these things were almost like energy eaters. You know, they were like a parasite. They were sort of, um, you know, living on, I don't know, like a human energy or a life force, and they were literally draining them, kind of like, like you mentioned it, like the classic old-time vampires, but not draining them of blood, but almost of like a, you know, a psychic life force kind of thing. The threat and, you know, the intimidation is, is kind of a ruse to elevate the person's fear levels or stress levels. And that's what they feed upon. That's what a number of the witnesses think. They felt that they were plunged into this state of fear, not because the woman in black actually wanted to frighten them away from the subject. It was just to frighten them and then feed upon that terror, so to speak. So if someone is terrified, they can kind of become like a parasite and grab your energy. Is that it? Yeah, it's kind of, um, I guess, again, I guess the best way to do it, describe it is like, um, you know, like a parasite, that kind of thing. Um, now, that's, of course, you know, the, the witnesses' um, interpretations of it. Now, there are other cases where, for example, um, you know, the women in black have been described as sort of alien-human hybrids. A number of uh, witnesses came to that conclusion, the idea that what they were seeing was something that kind of eerily resembled a cross between a human, a uh, human woman, and, you know, the sort of classic 
alien on the front of Whitley Strieber's communion. You know, you imagine something like that, as weird as it sounds, with a long black wig on and black sunglasses and sort of staying in the shadows and only coming out at night, you might kind of, she might just pass and not be noticed too much, you know what I mean? When you talk about a black wig, in other words, the wig is so obvious, it can't just be somebody's hair. No, well, that's the weird thing, is that the wig, the wigs, according to most people, really stand out as wigs, you know, the kind of thing you would see, like, on a mannequin in a shop window. You know, we're not talking about something, you know, really sophisticated. Um, but, I mean, one of the weird things is that um, in 1970, um, a woman named Shirley Cromarty had an experience uh, with one of the wig-wearing women in black. And... Um, she actually worked in the uh, President Nixon administration. She worked at um, Nixon's um, getaway home in Florida. Well, I'll and, tell you uh, what, I'd be seeing strange things in black after working with a guy like Nixon, I'll tell you. Let's get into more of this in the next segment, seriously enough. Continue that story. With Gene Steinberg, Chris O'Brien, and of course, Nick Redfern, you're in. The Paracast. <laughs> for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children. Stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com. Stop by and take a shopping tour. The EPA says the air in our homes is up to five times more contaminated than outside air. The solution is not just to filter your air, but detox it. UVforlife.com now offers a doctor-recommended UVforlife.com sterilization unit to kill over 99% of viruses, bacteria, molds, and dangerous chemicals. Go to UVforlife.com. Add promo code GCN at checkout to save $100. That's UV, the number four, life.com. UVforlife.com. Don't just filter your air, detox it. Attention citizens, this man has received national attention for accurately predicting every major financial trend, including the market crash of 2008. His name is Harry Dent, and in his newly released book, he is making even bigger and bolder predictions that have the potential to devastate the world economy and your personal wealth. You can get a free copy of Harry Dent's bestseller, The Sale of a Lifetime, containing never-before-published information by simply visiting www.saleofalifetime.com forward slash free book. Again, that's saleofalifetime.com forward slash free book.
This is Ben Gordon, and if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, Power Swabs is the answer. In five minutes, you'll see two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. There's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes, and you're done. To try Power Swabs, call 1-800-290-8480. Your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free. 1-800-290-8480. That's 1-800-290-8480. What would your life be like if you woke up each morning with new vitality, feeling better than you have in years, and you noticed a difference in your sleeping patterns, blood sugar levels, and had a sense of well-being overall? There's something that is changing thousands of people's lives, and you could be one of them. It's called Heart and Body Extract. Sharon Harris, co-creator of Heart and Body Extract, talks about the positive effects of Heart and Body Extract. What happens with the formula Heart and Body Extract is it's giving the body the necessary vitamins, minerals, amino acids, enzymes, and phytonutrients so, so the body will heal itself. And yes, the body does have the ability to balance blood pressure, balance cholesterol, clean and unclog the arteries. It can also work on uh, balancing the circulation for diabetics. So the body is an amazing thing. It simply needs some help so it has the tools to heal itself. Heart and Body Extract gets results. To order your two-month supply, call now, toll-free at 866-295-5305. Order online at hbextract.com. There is an affordable alternative to the high cost of health care that offers freedom from insurance while providing compliance with the Obamacare individual mandate. Imagine having access to quality, affordable health care that allows you the freedom to choose your doctor and hospital. Members can share up to 100% of necessary medical expenses, including some alternative treatments. Find out how you and your family can contain health care costs without giving up your freedom. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. Hey, this is Marie D. Jones, the author of This Book is from the Future, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Before we get on further with Nick Redfern and the women in black and this person who worked for Richard Nixon, how about that? I want to tell you about something else. It's called After the Paracast. It's a second radio show that Chris and I do. And quite often we have other guests there. We just can talk about anything at all or talk about a show or go into totally different subjects. You never know with After the Paracast. And the only way to hear that show is to become a member of the Paracast Plus at plus, P-L-U-S dot theparacast.com. That's plus dot theparacast.com. You get a commercial-free version of this show. You know, we nuke all the network ads. And you get after the Paracast. We've got videos coming up now and other shows. Even Paul Kimball's Other Side of Truth featuring vintage interviews with a lot of people, including Nick. We've got a video of you from Paul and we've got a couple of audio files of you from Paul. So that's what we have at, oh, cool. yeah, at the Paracast Plus at plus.theparacast.com. Well, that must have been years ago when Paul interviewed me. I don't know when that would have been. It would have been the early 2000s, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, probably 13, 14 years ago. Right, and hasn't been available for a while. And also, he started to do some new interviews. He did a new one with Greg Bishop just a couple of weeks ago that's up now. So he's starting to get so interested in doing it again, although also he's trying to be a politician, that he's decided to re-edit some of his old stuff or present new interviews. Let's move on with... 
this person, this woman who worked for Richard Nixon, therefore she has my sympathies, if she's still among us, and she encountered a woman in black. Tell us more. Well, yeah, I said 1970. It was actually 71. I made a mistake on that. But um, Shirley Cromarty, um, she was a housekeeper at Nixon's Florida retreat. And she was actually out shopping one day. And this really weird, pale, uh, sunglasses-wearing, strange-looking woman with this black wig came up to her. And essentially basically came up with a sort of a, a ruse of asking what the time was. The woman suddenly released this sort of jasmine-like scent from her hand, and uh, Shirley Cromarty said when she was actually taken to court, and I explained why, uh, she said that she lost her self-will, and this woman rather bizarrely took her into a store and forced her or against her will, but her will was taken from her, to steal a number of items of clothing. And the case was actually thrown out of court because both sides really believed her story, that, you know, she'd somehow been drugged in some fashion. The story was, I said, it was this sort of jasmine-like scent. Her mind was sort of rendered under this woman in black's control. Now, John Keel actually picked up on this story, and he felt that it was actually done for Nixon's benefit. It was a case of sort of these women in black pointing out how close they could actually get to the presidency if they wanted to. You know, so it's sort of a very, very um, strange situation. Now, this possible jasmine-like scent could have been what's known as um, scopolamine, and it's known better as the devil's breath. It's actually something that's synth uh, synthesized from what's called the uh, baracero tree, which grows in Colombia. And it actually um, creates this sort of powerful drug which can take people's free will away. Now, you know, somebody might say, well, it was just somebody, you know... Um, looking to steal somebody's money or whatever, etc., etc. But if you read the story, she actually sounds, um, you know, just like a classic woman in black. And even this issue of asking people what the time is, that's one of the ways that, in, in so many cases, the women in black start a conversation with UFO witnesses. So, you know, it, it is a really strange story and sort of one of the lesser-known ones involving the women in black that in a very strange way you know the connection to the white house even Ooh. okay so we're talking here about an event that occurred back in 1971 and i guess we think about men in black and women in black and we think about the 50s 60s 70s what about now any recent cases of women in black or men in black that are worth of note Oh, yeah. I mean, um, again, you know, with the feedback I get, I mean, um, I've got probably at least 15 or 16 reports uh, from this year alone of men in black and two or three of women in black and, you know, the same for 2015, 2014 and so on. Um, one of the stories I've got in the book um, involves a woman named Christina George, who just a couple of years ago had a very weird experience Um with this sort of woman in black, and also with two children with her, um, who were standing outside of her property uh, one particular day, and who acted in a very strange fashion and almost sort of mind-controlled her flatmate. Um, and they didn't try to get in the house, but they were clearly watching very closely what 
Christina was doing. And what was interesting is that this woman in black and these two creepy kids who she said actually had solid black eyes, like the black-eyed children, the three of them turned up um, immediately after Christina had been doing a, a paranormal investigation. And... Um, and it, and it, oh, it actually comes across very much almost like, um, you know, a supernatural saga than it does a UFO one. There's no actual UFO component in it. But you've got, as I said, these creepy characters on the doorstep and coming up with a ruse as to why they're there. In this case, they were looking for a lost cat. And... Um, but everything sort of smacked of it being orchestrated and staged. And a very, very weird case. Another one, uh, I talk about a Florida woman who's active in ufology, Denise Stoner. And um, she had a couple of women in black experiences just about two or three years ago where at uh, the height of her investigations, one particular day, there was a constant, non-stop ringing on the doorbell. Uh, she went to the door, looked through the spy hole, and there were two um, of these, again, wig-wearing, huge sunglasses, um, pale-faced um, women in black who looked almost identical to each other, just standing there on the doorstep. And, you know, she didn't open the door, but um, it, it kind of amazes a lot of people when they realise that, you know, the, the number of reports of sightings and encounters of the men in black and the women in black that are still going on, you know, all the time. That the phenomenon, I think, is obviously, you know, primarily been seen as one of the 50s through the 70s for the most part. But it, I think, I think a lot of people, and I do get this feedback, and I think it is one of the reasons why a lot of people don't talk about them, is because they worry that people are going to say, "Oh, you've just overdosed on watching too many." Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones, Men in Black book, uh, movies, you know. Um, so I think, ironically, although the Men in Black movies have given the, the mystery of the Men in Black more visibility, it's actually made people more reluctant to talk about their experiences because people think they're lying after watching the movies or whatever. So, so how then do you separate the possible influence of the movies from possible real encounters here? Well, I mean, from my perspective, you do it the same way you would any investigation. You know, you look, you listen to the story, you ask the person to tell it again. You know, you you become... I mean, I think most of us in the subject, when you speak to people over time, you become a, judge, a good judge of character. You know, you can tell if somebody's sort of, you know, trying to pull the wool over your eyes or if they're trying to fabricate a story... Um, you know, and if they say, one of the things I often do, um, you know, if somebody says, I have no interest in the UFO subject, um, I've caught out a couple of people over the years when they said, well, I've had no interest in UFOs at all. Uh, this experience happened. And, you know, and I've said, you know, can I use the bathroom at some point? And you just kind of, when you go to the bathroom, just look around for any bookshelves. And, and on two occasions, I found... One where the house had got like 20, 30 UFO books. The other one was stacked with UFO books. <laughs> you know, they, they clearly were fully aware of the UFO phenomenon. So those kind of stories didn't make the books. Now, that, that wasn't in relation to, you, to um, Men in Black, I should stress. That was UFOs in general. But, you know, you have to be very careful how you accept a story. Now, I, I think most witnesses are 
are genuine. You know, I think most of the people I've interviewed are genuine. They're just genuinely mystified by what they've seen or experienced or encountered. But you have to be unbiased and look at each case on its own merit. And, you know, just because I get a new women in black case, it doesn't mean I'm sort of leaping up and down excited. I just you know, look at each one as it comes along and see where it leads or, it, or where it doesn't lead, you know. We're going to lead to this for a few moments and then we'll be back with Nick Redfern talking about women in black and more with Gene and Chris. You're in The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands, and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement, and I'm telling you, There's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. The EPA says the air in our homes is up to five times more contaminated than outside air. The solution is not just to filter your air, but detox it. UVforlife.com now offers a doctor-recommended UVforlife.com sterilization unit to kill over 99% of viruses, bacteria, molds, and dangerous chemicals. Go to UVforlife.com. Add promo code GCN at checkout to save $100. That's UV, the number four, life.com. UVforlife.com. Don't just filter your air. Detox it. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Women in black. Doing your interviews of witnesses, do you find because of the fact that popular culture has been so polluted with the men in black legend particularly after the movies came out. And then we have, of course, things like X-Files. How do you separate that influence from a possible real event, Nick? Well, again, you know, I think the only time it comes into the equation is if a person is fabricating something and they've been inspired by the movies or the TV shows. I think, you know, for the rest of the time, it, it doesn't really. 
where things like the X-Files possibly benefited ufology was it actually made the subject more popular and encouraged people to come forward because, you know, it was in the public eye. And more people coming forward, so more people felt comfortable about coming forward. You know, it was like a, a rolling, spiraling situation. So I don't think... I don't think movies as such prompt... I mean, I could be wrong, but I, I don't think movies as, as such prompt people to fake events. I think in some cases they encourage them to talk, but it, like I said with the Men in Black, I think it's the opposite. I think people see the Men in Black mystery as so weird, it could only be a Hollywood creation unless they were, you know, they were well-versed on the UFO subject, which most people aren't, you know, because they're just not interested in it. Um, so when somebody tells them, you know, oh, I saw a man in black, they're like, what? Those guys off, you know, from the movies, you mean? No, a real man in black. Well, no, there's no such thing. Hollywood made them up. No, they didn't. You know, it's kind of that situation. That's when I think, you know, it causes problems. Well, you know, looking at the, the real legitimate cases that kind of pass your investigative muster, have you come to any any sort of potential theories on what these beings are, um, where they're from, and what their agenda is? Well, I mean, in terms of the agenda, they don't just turn up in UFO cases. I mean, a classic example it would be, like we mentioned earlier, Point Pleasant, West Virginia, where they turn up in relation to UFOs and, uh, you know, the um, Mothman sightings, things like that. I've got a few weird cases in the book where people who'd seen Bigfoot and strange creatures had uh, men in black and women in black encounters. There's a couple of well-known famous men in black encounters at Loch Ness. Uh, people who were looking for the Loch Ness monsters, as bizarre as it all sounds. So the imagery that people get to start with is that they silence people who see UFOs. But it actually goes far beyond that. That goes to the women in black and the men in black. It covers numerous aspects of the paranormal. And and certainly, you know, I've mentioned this before, but without doubt in, you know, at least the last sort of 22, 23 years, you know, my views changed a long time ago from just believing that all this phenomena is extraterrestrial. You know, I think we're dealing with something that's sort of far closer to home, maybe coexists alongside us, maybe even masquerades as extraterrestrial, but is not good old 1950s Donald Kehoe ufology. You know, for me, that ear is as dead as a T-Rex, you know. Take notes, Gene. I am taking notes. Don't even mention the Kehoe word. Yeah, because then somebody somewhere is playing the Kehoe game will have to take a shot. Oh, well, let him. <laughs> you can't help Kilo. it because the thing is here, so many things in the UFO field are unchanged over the years. But let's talk about changes. Comparing the first reports of men in black in the 50s and the early reports of women in black, has any of that undergone any change whatever in the ensuing 60 years or so? Only from the perception of the public and from the perception of a lot of people in ufology who may not be overly conversant with the men in black mysteries. You know, they think they're from the government until you read the reports. But, you know, back in the 50s, you know, when you have people like um, Albert Bender and um, you know, Gray Barker and Keel and Steiger, you know, most of the reports that reached them were of these sort of stranger, pale, skinny, 
weird men in black who didn't seem to understand our mannerisms, they didn't understand our food, they talked in a weird fashion as if they didn't really understand what they were saying. It was almost like they were paraphrasing, you know, the words without actually understanding what they meant. And the reports I get today are still like that. You know, the reports I get of the men in black today are of guys turning up late at night on the doorstep in fedoras and skinny black ties, you know, like something straight out of a 1950s gangster movie, except for the fact that physically they look very sort of creepy and strange. You know, they look like a cross between, you know, having anorexia and, and having anemia. That's the best way you can describe them. You know, they just look unhealthy and sickly and, and menacing. So nothing has changed that much in terms of what the witnesses have reported since the past. But, you know, it's just kind of ufology's fault, I think is probably the best way to describe it, in not letting or not necessarily getting across to people the reality of the Men in Black mystery and instead letting people think, oh, well, they're obviously from some secret agency from the Pentagon or whatever. That assumption exists because most people in the subject don't bother to do anything to rectify it because they think it's too weird to mess with, you know, so they leave it yeah. alone. Yeah, I, I only have one case um, in my files from my San Luis Valley investigations, and it was a an experiencer who went through a a period where her mail was being rifled through and then then being stolen. Uh, stuff that she knew that she was being sent uh, would never arrive. And she said one day she she just happened to look down. She had a, a driveway that was quite long, uh, several hundred yards long, and she saw what she described as an old fashioned uh, you know luxury car, black. And she said. Two guys were going through her mailbox, and I asked her to describe them, and she said, well, they look like the Blues Brothers. <laughs> 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 now, she told me this. She said that she had actually filed a report with the county sheriff, and um, I verified that with the sheriff's office, and a, and a report had been filed. Plus, she had filed a report with the um, the, the postal inspector, uh, the regional postal inspector, and and they they actually opened a case file on 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 her claim, and she was forced actually. I mean, it got so bad that she was trying to monitor her mailbox as much as she could, and she ended up having to get a post office box in town. Um, because because of this you know constant problem of of and, and they would go through and and tear some of the stuff up and just leave it on the ground even uh, very very bizarre um, and it, but they never came to the door <laughs> and she was she was kind of happy about that because she she just was really weirded out by it so because my name isn't really associated with the subject i possibly or maybe we didn't have very many of them going around at the, you know during that time period in the 90s uh, that's the only real i think you know claim that i have in my files but it really at the time it, it sort of kind of forced me to go back into the into the literature and really um, reacquaint myself and and get up to speed on on the whole um, uh, phenomenon uh, one of my favorite accounts comes from uh, Jacques Vallée's book, uh, Messengers of Deception. I, I think it was a case where, wasn't it the case where the the man in black uh, sat down and was given some jello and he tried to eat it with a knife or something? I <laughs> yeah, well, he, tried, 
he tried to drink it actually. He tried, yeah. tried to drink it. That's <laughs> yeah, but there's a lot of weird stories like that in relation to the men in black and the women in black in relation to food and drink. They kind of just stare at it as if they don't know what to do with it. But I mean, one of the interesting things when you just said about you know with that the witness you were talking about how some of the mail was just torn up and whatever. That's actually, things like that happen quite often where the men in black and the women in black go out of their, go out of their way to let the, no, the witness know they're being watched or played with or intimidated. You know, in other words, if the woman hadn't seen them at the mailbox and she hadn't found the torn up mail, she might just have thought, you know, there wasn't any mail. We have Nick Redfern talking about women in black. People in black or things in black with Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. Neighbors, I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app. It's the award winning graphic converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top flight image editing app with tons of features. And most important, it's easy to use. It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Let me spell that. www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Warning. If you're drowning in debt you can't afford, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to pay it all back because you don't. What the credit card companies don't want you to know is that there's actually a way to get debt-free without paying off your entire debt or going bankrupt. If you have $5,000 or more in credit card debt, you now have the right to settle that debt for a fraction of what you owe. For free information, call Credit Associates now. 1-800-959-5759. We'll even show you how much money you could save. If you can't afford to pay off all your debt, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to. Call Credit Associates now for free information on how to get debt-free faster than you ever thought possible without debt consolidation or bankruptcy. We depend on your success and offer a guarantee so there's no risk. For free information, call now. 1-800-959-5759. That's 1-800-959-5759. 1-800-959-5759. And now, three recent financial memories. Remember the market drops of 02, the financial crisis of 08, the flash crash of 2010. It's not if, but when. What do you have in place to protect your profits? OnTheMarkMoney.com introduces WealthGuard, a complete portfolio monitoring system that sends out direct alerts when your accounts hit a targeted downside value, and it works with all your retirement accounts, even 401k. Learn how to get WealthGuard free. Go to OnTheMarkMoney.com. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. 
people who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. Attention citizens, this man has received national attention for accurately predicting every major financial trend, including the market crash of 2008. His name name is Harry Dent, and in his newly released book, he is making even bigger and bolder predictions that have the potential to devastate the world economy and your personal wealth. You can get a free copy of Harry Dent's bestseller, The Sale of a Lifetime, containing never-before-published information by simply visiting www.saleofalifetime.com forward slash free book. Again, that's saleofalifetime.com forward slash free book. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Okay, so interesting point you made, Nick Redfern, that maybe these beings, whatever they are, are drawing attention to themselves by nature of their actions, such as tearing up someone's email, someone's physical mail. Yeah, and I think the reason why they go out of their way to be seen is because the only way you can intimidate a person is if you let them know, you know, that you're being watched or whatever. You know, if the person's blissfully unaware of it, well, it is a case of ignorance is bliss. You know, the only way to frighten the people is to stand outside their house or get out of the car and stare through the window or make weird phone calls at 2 a.m. in the morning, you know, and the strange bleeps on the line. That kind of thing, I know from speaking to people, does sort of destabilize them. And the men in black and women in black reports, both of them, the MIB and the WIB, are very good at destabilizing people and making them paranoid and, you know, sort of sometimes, you know, having them sort of descend into almost like a, state of nervous breakdown really when this goes on and on so you know unfortunately from the perspective of the witnesses they're very good at doing things like that you know so i think sometimes there's no actual reason for it other than to let the witness see it happening in other words you know there may actually be no reason why the man in black wanted to read the woman's mail the whole point may have been that if they did it long enough, eventually she, she would see them doing it, right. and it would have an effect on her, and that may have been the whole point of it. Yeah, that's uh, pretty much the way it happened. You know, many of these accounts where, where they seem to be unfamiliar, uh, almost like uh, they're uncomfortable in their own skins, they don't seem to, uh, to, to understand uh, their surroundings, they parrot phrases like they, they're they mimicking uh, somebody telling them what to say, and they, they're saying it, but they don't really know what it means. You know, this kind of reminds me of almost a temporary entity, almost like a tulpa, like these beings are created to do one specific thing and, and, and just don't have the, um, the personal history uh, to pull it off in a way. <laughs> 
in a completely convincing manner. It's almost like these beings are temporary. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, yeah, well, that's actually one of the interesting theories, that the idea that they they aren't sort of self-aware beings. They're sort of created, you know, like a biological robot, or some people think they're almost like um, like the kind of like the Matrix scenario, that if you were in the, your living room being threatened by a man in black and somebody else was in the room or looking through the window, they might not see anybody else there. They might just see you in a weird daze. The theory is that perhaps the entire event is kind of like a highly sophisticated 3D hologram, like a sophisticated computer program, which is sent out by some bigger intelligence to silence people. And like any program that is rigid and static, it performs the same task over and over again. You know, that might explain why we never catch them, why they always vanish at the door, why the person always feels in like a weirded out state when they're being grilled by them. You know, the idea that they really are temporary, but they're also so sophisticated in their creation, if you like, that they are somehow semi-self-aware of what they're doing, but they're not really sure why. And that might explain why even they seem not fully aware of, of why they're actually threatening people. Just a thought that came to me here. We see these almost unreal beings what about the people who see them? Is there anything common about them other than maybe having experienced a paranormal event? Nothing in their background that would be common? There's nothing so much common in terms of like physical traits or anything like that. But in many of the cases that I've found where even if there seems to be a strong UFO angle, prior to getting involved in ufology, a lot of the people who've seen the women in black in particular lesser so with the men in black, but still a lot. Prior to getting to, to ufology, they are involved in sort of far more darker paranormal research and work. And then they kind of gravitated towards ufology after that. But many of them were sort of very sort of learned in the occult and rituals and rites and, you know, as if, as if that had somehow attracted the attention of these entities. In some cases, actually isn't a UFO component with the women in black, but there is always some sort of paranormal component. But a lot of the people involved, you know, have these occult overtones. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean anything particularly. You know, you could make a good argument that somebody who likes watching sci-fi is going to like watching horror movies in the same way somebody who's into UFOs might also be into Bigfoot. It doesn't necessarily mean anything. But I have found a large number of people who have had women in black encounters and they've been in ufology, but they have also messed with Ouija boards and, you know, as I said, rituals and rites to, you know, summon up supernatural entities, that kind of things. Chris, you were going to say Eugene, something. Yeah, we've already gone by the uh, the point, but um, I'll, I'll I'll kind of go back backwards here. You mentioned that they don't seem to be self aware in many cases. Uh, they seem to be parroting um, an agenda that that they possibly don't even understand, but they're they're going through the motions. I mean, classic tricksterism. You know, if you look at the definition yeah. of trickster, the trickster is not self aware and and it doesn't have a specific. Uh, personal agenda. It would seem to me that these are perfect trickster forms uh, in in the way that they are presented. It's almost like they're going through the motions and they don't even realize why, and they don't even realize that 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 
that they're doing it, uh, really. It's almost like they're on automatic pilot or something. Yeah, that's exactly how they are. You know, it's a good way of describing them. It's like auto, automatic pilot. But, um, you know, one of the interesting things is on this issue of them not being sort of fully self-aware and the whole trickster angle, you know, they do sort of mess with people's minds, sometimes in a very dangerous and ominous fashion, but sometimes just in a weird way. Like, for example, there are cases where um, men in black and women in black have been in people's homes, and it's almost like they've been, they're forced to, to steal something and take it with them. Uh, one of the most famous ones was told by John Keel in the Mothman Prophecies, um, involving a, a local journalist, uh, Mary Heyer, this weird-looking man in black came into her office late at night, kept staring at this ballpoint pen on the table and suddenly grabbed it and like, ran out into the night cackling with this, weird, with this weird cackle. And there are a lot of cases like that where the, the MIB and the WIB have been in people's homes and they'll stare at some object and they'll grab it before they leave. Or the person goes out the room and when they come back, you know, hours later, they realise something's missing, you know. And um, now that's sort of not definitive trickster approach, but it is the approach of something that is playing with the person's mind. You know, it's, it's just an odd thing that the person remembers that, oh, yeah, you know, he stole a spoon off, you know, a cup and saucer or whatever, or, you know, he, he stole this or stole that. And you can find that in a, in a lot of cases. And um, and also, you know, they, they, they give names that, you know, sort of tie in with sort of ancient names. We'll find out about those names and more with Nick, Gene, and Chris. You're in The Paracast. The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Looking for that edge during those intimate moments? We see many ads for enhancement, but the side effects include death. At GCN Team, we should change the Healthy Body Brain and Heart Pack to the Healthy Libido Pack. The brain and heart are not the only organs that require a healthy vascular system. For proper blood flow at the right moment, go to GCNTeam.com or call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. 100% grass-fed beef for your health. When comparing to commercial raised, they offer more good fats while cutting the bad. Antioxidant rich, including vitamin E and C, plus beta carotene. Free of added hormones, antibiotics, or other drugs. For all of your fresh, non-cooked products, the only ingredient is 100% grass-fed beef. Go to MidasResources.com. Use voucher code GCN to receive 30% off your order. Go to MidasResources.com or find us on Facebook. Back pain doesn't take vacations. It never celebrates holidays. It's on the job 24-7 to keep your life exactly where it is, in limbo. But it doesn't have to be that way because Laser Spine Institute can help you take back your life from chronic neck and back pain. With a less than one-inch incision, our minimally invasive procedures have provided relief to over 60,000 patients with a 97% patient satisfaction rate. So get ready to stand tall and live the life you've imagined for yourself without pain. Are you or a loved one suffering from a bulging disc? herniated disc, spinal stenosis, pinched nerve, or degenerative disc disease? Call our spine care consultants now at 855-519-BACK. 
for a no-cost MRI review and to learn more. It's time to say goodbye to chronic neck and back pain. Call 855-519-BACK now to see if laser spine surgery is right for you. That's 855-519-BACK. What have you got to lose? Laser Spine Institute, the leader in minimally invasive spine surgery. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Injury help desk is responsible for this advertisement. Principal office, Las Vegas, Nevada. This ad is not legal advice, and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention heartburn drug users. If you or a loved one has taken Nexium, Prevacid, or Prilosec to treat heartburn, acid reflux, or indigestion, and suffered serious kidney damage, chronic kidney disease, or kidney failure, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Studies from the JAMA Internal Medicine indicate a significant increased risk of acute and chronic kidney disease from taking proton pump inhibitors. If you or a loved one was diagnosed with kidney failure or chronic kidney disease after taking Nexium, Prevacid, or Prilosec to treat heartburn, acid reflux, or indigestion, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk now. You may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Call 800-225-8944. That's 800-225-8944. Again, 800-225-8944. Call now. Winter has just begun, and are you already tired of being cold? How would you like to never be cold again? This is Dale with Fortress Clothing, and I'm here to tell you, you will never be cold again with Fortress. If you're tired of freezing your butt off, elk hunting, sitting in a tree stand, deer hunting, winter camping, fishing, ice fishing, no longer fear the cold. If you snowmobile, ski, snowboard, get Fortress. Sledding with the kids, shoveling the walks, shopping, or if you or your spouse get cold feet at home, get Fortress. If you're stuck outside working in the cold or find yourself in an emergency situation, get our winter bug out bag and you will never be cold again. Fortress is the answer, so quit complaining and go to FortressClothing.com. It's a mid-layer garment that goes with anything you want to wear. Enter coupon code RADIO and get 20% off any item. Go now while we still have inventory. FortressClothing.com This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. Okay, Nick used the term ancient names in our previous segment with Gene and Chris, talking about women in black, men in black, strange beings. Tell us more. Ancient names. Well, yeah, I mean, there was, I've got a couple of uh, cases where, you know, the men in black used um, sort of the names of sort of uh, straight out of ancient mythology, like uh, like Mr. Neptune, Mr. Zeus, those are two that I've got on file. With the women in black, I've got one that used the name Athena, uh, you know, and there's there's a lot of cases like that where it's almost like they're leaving a subtle clue for the person to look into who they actually were at a greater level because they go out of their way to be so strange. You know, so it, it's almost like it's a, in some respects, it's like a test on the person to see what their reaction would be as much as it is about terrifying them. And, you know, all of this sort of goes completely against the grain of the idea of, you know, the FBI flashing ID cards or whatever. i tell you one of the weirdest aspects of of this entire mystery is that i've got four cases on file which four might not sound a lot but when i tell you what the connection is you know it's actually quite significant i've got four cases where 
people encountered men in black or women in black uh, either watching or listening to the soundtrack to Rosemary's Baby. I've got actually two who watched the movie, one that listened to the soundtrack, and Linda Godfrey, a friend of mine, she's got one concerning a guy who read a book on, read the original novel based on, that the movie was based on. And again, you know, these things then manifested after they'd either watched the movie, read the book, or listened to the soundtrack. One of the guys who had probably the creepiest experience of all is a guy named Peter Beckman. Peter's um, an actor and a voiceover artist. If you look up Peter Beckman, B-E-C-K-M-A-N, plus voiceover artist, you'll find, because uh, I interviewed him for my previous Men in Black book, he had a really weird experience in the late 60s with a friend of his when they were listening to the soundtrack and then suddenly, you know, the entire atmosphere in the room shifted and there was this sudden knock on the door and there were these two really weird again skinny pale mib there and and for peter and his friend it was as if they'd been almost sort of mind controlled in some way and it was very you know so those experiences are really weird you know when they turn up after people have been watching specific movies and things like that does the fact of reading certain types of books or watching movies or whatever Does that seem to attract any of this? Well, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of cases where, um, particularly in relation to the women in black, where somebody was really heavily involved in the occult or the UFO subject, but actually weren't part of the scene. In other words, you know, they did a lot of work privately and didn't write for magazines or journals, you know, didn't go on the internet and, you know, form chat groups or whatever, you know, didn't speak at conferences but the you know the the women in black knew about it, uh, or if they had one sort of pet project, um, for example, in the book, I talk about a really weird non UFO case involving a guy who was trying to find the the uh, sort of last resting place of the legendary King Arthur in England, and he told me how he got this really really weird visit from this equally weird woman in black. This was back in uh, 2000, who warned him to stay away from King Arthur-based research, and she was just like all these other women in black, sort of pale, looked quite attractive, but there was just something about her that, you know, set the alarm bells ringing. Um, You know, so, uh, but but he hadn't, you know, he wasn't somebody who, even in that field, talked about. He was just, it was his private passion so um you know we do have this sort of anomaly where we don't really know how or why they're able to suddenly just pick up on the radar of someone who's doing this or doing that are there ever cases where the woman in black or the man in black just seem to be normal humans they always seem to be one step beyond well there are a few, and this is where the subject gets a little bit confusing, because if you read a few reports, and granted it is a few, there are actually a few of them which we can trace back to government agencies, where somebody turned up in a black suit, a black fedora, and warned a witness not to talk about a particular case. Um, there was a famous one in England in the early 60s involving um, a teenage girl named Anne Henson who said, you know, she'd seen this strange light in the sky late one night. A couple of nights later, this guy turned up on the doorstep in a black suit 
um, you know, black hat, black tie, black car, and warned her not to talk about what she'd seen. And she'd actually drawn some, like, little picture of this thing over the hill behind the house, and he took it with him, and that's something the men in black do, you know, they confiscate things. But what's important about this case is that the official file on it actually surfaced officially through the British government's Freedom of Information Act, and it identified the um, the man in question as an employee of what's called the Provost and Security Services, which is the... UK equivalent of the Air Force Office of Special Investigations, the AFOSI. So to get to your point, I think what has happened on a few occasions is that when military agencies want to silence people to legitimate UFO encounters, they may actually mimic the real men in black and the women in black. They may not know any more than we do about what the MIB really are, but they know that if necessary, they can employ the legend and the law of the men in black. And, you know, literally have their guys go out and dress like that and act a little bit strange to threaten the person and, you know, if the person speaks about it, they're going to get laughed at. So I think that may have happened on a few occasions where, as I said, the government probably doesn't have a, a full awareness of what the MIB are, but it doesn't stop them from mimicking them when it suits their favour, you know, so admittedly there is this sort of grey area where some of them could be government people, but in a very odd fashion, so to speak. Go ahead, Gene. Well, if you want to say something, Chris, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to mention that um, one quality um, with descriptions of, uh, from witnesses that... Um, seemed to be fairly consistent through the 50s and 60s was a description that they appeared oddly sort of oriental looking do we still have that um, description in modern more modern cases yeah they're often described as having well not as many but there are a lot of reports where the witnesses have described today that their eyes look abnormally large uh, not sort of you know, eye-popping, <laughs> no point intended, eye-popping large, but larger than they should be and wider spread. Um, and some of the witnesses felt that's why, granted it was just their opinions, but they're probably right, I think, why they wore these wraparound sunglasses, because it was only when the the man in black or the woman in black was close to them, they could actually see, you know, just manage to make out through the sunglasses how big the eyes really were. So I think, you know, this camouflage angle comes into play. But yes, we still do get reports today of sort of anomalies with the eyes, but it, they tend to be sort of larger eyes, wider spaced eyes. Um, and again, you know, that the face, in the, very often in the past, the skin was described as olive color. Today, it's far more described as sort of very pale, almost white, white. And when I say white, I mean like a sheet of paper white. Um, and, you know, again, if you sort of remove the wig, you remove the sunglasses, you remove the turned up collars and you see them in full daylight rather than in the shadows, they might look extremely non-human, you know. So, um, so some aspects of it in that respect have changed over the years, but other ones, you know, it is, you know, like we discussed sort of the an archetypal man in black in the 50s is still very much like the archetypal man in black today as well. We've got more to come on men in black, women in black, but not things in black, or maybe they are. 
with Gene, Chris, and Nick. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items. And entails t-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of t-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. Paid non-attorney spokesperson, Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas, is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice, and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. Why be held hostage by your wireless carrier for two years? What if there were no contracts, no activation fees, no tracking, tracing, or draconian gimmicks? All on America's largest 4G LTE networks. Introducing PixWireless.com. Activate your Sprint, AT&T, and unlock GSM phones instantly. Bring your own device and make the switch today. Here's how. Call or click 1-800-205-9513 or PixWireless.com. Spell P-I-X. PixWireless.com. In these uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel-burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass-burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. My name is Robin. I'm 47 years of age. I absolutely love One World Whey. It was about five years ago when a trainer told me it was the end all of protein powders. One day when I ran out, I decided to try other brands. I spent eight months and could not find a replacement. I went through tons of brands, types, and flavors, and almost all of them tasted unnatural and not pleasant. When it all boiled down, I came right back to One World Whey. I buy the cost-effective five-pound container and my family craves their one world way too i look forward to and enjoy having my one world way and feel great after i drink it thank you synergistic nutrition for perfecting a protein powder in the product one world way from taste to how it makes me and my family feel you get an a plus plus call 888-988-3325 or visit oneworldway.com that's one world w-h-e-y.com and now, three recent financial memories. 
Remember the market drops of 02, the financial crisis of 08, the flash crash of 2010. It's not if, but when. What do you have in place to protect your profits? OnTheMarkMoney.com introduces WealthGuard, a complete portfolio monitoring system that sends out direct alerts when your accounts hit a targeted downside value, and it works with all your retirement accounts, even 401k. Learn how to get WealthGuard free. Go to OnTheMarkMoney.com. This is Micah Hanks of the Grayling Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Before we go on, let's mention that we have a second radio show that we call After the Paracast. It's available exclusively to those who subscribe to the Paracast Plus. To learn more, you go to plus.theparacast.com. That's P-L-U-S dot theparacast.com. The benefits include the commercial-free version of this show, better quality audio, videos, more goodies, plus.theparacast.com. We're talking to Nick Redfern about men in black, women in black, and all that stuff. Nick, following these individuals, beings, creatures over the years... Has anything happened to you that's weird as a result? Well, I, that's one of the questions I, I always get asked. Now, I've never had that sort of, you know, classic late night knock on the door or anything like that. Um, but I, what I have had is like a few really weird um, synchronicities concerning the men in black. I'll, I'll give you an example. When I was putting the final touches to my last book on the men in black which is just called men in black it came out in um late 2015 about august september 2015 um and i was putting the final touches to it in i think it was june thereabouts and um i just literally finished the word document closed it down and was getting ready to send it to my agent and publisher lisa hagan and i had a bang in my apartment now it's not a big apartment you know it's, it's only 400 square feet so it couldn't have come from very far away so i looked at the living room nothing there and went into the bedroom and what had happened was that um one of the pictures I got on the wall had fallen off. You know, I've got sort of around the room about 10 different pictures, you know, one of like Bigfoot, the other one's Nessie, etc., etc. And um, the one that had fallen off the wall, it, it had fallen from about six feet up and the, the wooden frame had broken and the glass had shattered. And what it actually was, it was one of the few that wasn't a painting. What it was, it was a framed letter or photocopy of a letter written by Albert Bender, the guy who kicked off the Men in Black mystery back in the early 50s. So, in other words, you know, I'd finished the Men in Black book, closed the program down, ready to send it. And then at that very, when I say at that very moment, I do mean like within seconds, this framed letter of Albert Bender warning people about the Men in Black fell off the wall and shattered. Now, that, that, that's a true story. And that was, there's been several weird things like that have, have happened to me. I had a really weird spate. And by weird and spate, I mean like nonstop for like three days where when I was doing anything in relation to the men in black, I would have one of these sort of weird 11-11 moments where everywhere I go, I'd see 11-11 which, you know, the 11-11 phenomenon is, you know, sort of one of the more weirder modern-day mysteries. So, you know, a lot of strange things 
like that have happened to me. They haven't gotten to you and said, Nick, don't do this anymore. Has anyone ever said (laughs) that to you? No. No, no one's ever said that to me. The only time I've got people said don't talk about this is, is when, from their perspective, they're worried about not being quoted or, you know, or being quoted, I should say. But no one's ever come to me and said, don't write about this, don't talk about that. And, and I think one of the main reasons is because the people who primarily, not always, but people who primarily visited and threatened witnesses, not investigators, now, there have been, you know, more than a few people who have been visited by the men in black and women in black who are uh, investigators of the phenomenon. But for the most part, they are people who've had the encounter themselves. So, you know, I've not seen a UFO hovering over, you know, my apartment. I've not had an abduction experience. I'm someone who's investigated these things. So that may well account for why I am not had the knock on the door, because I'm not perceived as a threat where the witnesses, for some odd reason, are sort of perceived as threats. I've only had uh, a couple, but uh, one of them was an MIB, but it was a man in beige. (laughs) Oh, well, I've actually got a few of those in the the most recent book as well. (laughs) Oh, do tell. Uh, A beige safari suit. Oh, I've mentioned on the show uh, quite a number of times when I was uh, looking into the underground base subject uh in the uh along the border of colorado and new mexico and i was visited by uh, a director from the institute of social architecture um who suggested that um maybe there were some things i was getting into that um most people don't have a need to know and i should probably start he said you should question uh, if if i were you i would question your motivations (laughs) And uh, oh, wow. he started doing NLP power moves and m- mimicking my body language. And it was very strange. Creepy. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've had, I can remember one weird thing that did happen to me. And this was back in 2001. I was, I was in the process of you know, moving to the U.S. to live. And I was at Heathrow Airport. I was in the line to check my bag in. Granted, the bag was quite heavy. You know, it was like a one that had to be checked all the way through. And I think, if I remember right, it was overweight. And I had to pay some extra. Anyway, because I was taking so much over with me, back and forth, back and forth. And um, so I was in line. And this there was this old guy sort of tapped me on the shoulder. And, um, and he kind of looked like, you know, sort of one of the elderly guys if you remember the x-files you know there was like that mj12 group and they were all made up of like old guys you know from uh, big reputations and backgrounds and from powerful families all that kind of thing you know and they're all in their suits in these sort of uh, dark rooms and whatever well that's all they have like left that. of their lives is just to get together these 12 yeah. people <laughs> that's it they but, have no um, family anyway. they just get together every few years and and plot havoc exactly but anyway, what the, the guy, he tapped me on the shoulder and said, do you want to put your case on what he got? He basically got like a little thing on wheels, you know, where you could put your case on there and push it along much easier. And I said, oh, okay, thanks. And he said, where are you going? And I said, oh, I'm uh, moving to the U.S. to live. And he said, whereabouts? I said, to Texas. And he said, oh, yeah, Texas, that's the home of the Kennedy assassination. And then he said, oh, you, and you know you shouldn't believe all those conspiracy theories about things like that. And then he actually turned round and got out the line and vanished into the Heathrow crowd. That was kind of really weird. Now, there was nothing paranormal about him, but I did get a feeling that 
he'd been sent out kind of thing. And he didn't feel like paranoia. He actually felt that's exactly what it was, you know. Do you think you were targeted or was it just one of those things? Um, well, I, I actually, yeah, I do think that something was going on because um, a lot of strange things went on around that time as well that were didn't amount to much on their own, but were kind of similar to that. But again, I think I think most people in the UFO subject, to a degree, are watched because not necessarily because you're investigating UFOs, but because there's this tendency to believe that if you investigate UFOs, you're probably a conspiracy theorist, and if you're a conspiracy theorist, you probably believe in some political conspiracies, and and then you're seen as a troublemaker, you know, so you go from being a ufologist to a troublemaker via all these different steps, and I think that's why a lot of people in the subject are watched, because they are, you know, I think they kind of view ufologists the same way as they do as somebody who demonstrates for animal rights or somebody who demonstrates when an old tree is about to be chopped down. You know, they view us as, as tiresome meddlers. And so I think that's why we're all watched to some degree. And I think probably, you know, just a, a routine little file probably is opened on a lot of people. You know, and that, that's not paranoia. I mean, for example, through the Freedom Information Act, George Van Tassel's FBI file of service, that's 300 pages plus. You know, Adamski's is more than 100. Albert Bender's is like 75. George Hunt Williamson's is about 45 pages. You know, so all those guys back then did have files on them. We probably do today. But again, I don't think it's because they think John Smith or Bill Jones or whoever has the answers. It's because... They see you as, in, the, in today's world, even more so than in the Cold War, they see us as, you know, as, as troublemakers, really. Did you ever look to see whether Jim Mosley or Gray Barker had FBI files that you could retrieve? Um, I, actually, um, I actually haven't. But the, see, the problem is, if, if a person's living and you want to get their um, FBI file, you have to get written permission from that person, and you have to then, you know, go to the FBI with all the documentation proving that the person has given you permission. Now, if the person's dead, you have to provide an official obituary for the person. Um, Let's go into the more and, of that in a moment. Okay, this is interesting. We have Nick Redfern... And now we're now going into FBI files. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. 
It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. This is Ben Gordon, and if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, Power Swabs is the answer. In five minutes, you'll see two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. There's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes, and you're done. To try Power Swabs, call 1-800-290-8480. Your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free. 1-800-290-8480. That's 1-800-290-8480. Hi, I'm Rick Osick, president of Famous Footwear. Did you know that premature birth is the number one killer of babies? That's why we are fighting to end premature birth and birth defects along with the March of Dimes. You can do something today to give them tomorrow. Your support means programs, education, life-saving research, and a voice for families in the newborn intensive care unit. Together we can save babies' lives. Give them tomorrow at marchofdimes.org slash tomorrow. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Okay, so you have to find like a published obituary of like Gray Barker or Jim Mosley yes. or any of these people or John Keel or Richard Hall or Donald Kehoe. There, I said it. Unless it's like, you know, Marilyn Monroe or, you know, Frank Sinatra, somebody like that, where their files are actually online. But even if they weren't, if it's somebody who's obviously so well-known and they're dead that everybody knows they're dead, then that's a different thing. But if you, you know, you're looking for the files on an obscure UFO researcher who died in, say, 65, that would be more difficult because the ma- that may not be online anywhere. Uh, and they won't accept, you know, something that's just in a word document, you know, they want to be able to prove it's it's a real obituary. So it has to come from an accredited site or cutting from a newspaper with the actual name of the newspaper and where the date, etc., etc. And, of course, the other issue is that if the file hasn't already been released, then they have to search for the file, you know, in the old archives underground or whatever. And that can take time, you know, and time takes money they can charge you by the hour for search fees you know to look for documents and and that's that's only done really because somebody literally does have to go and search for these files that may not have surfaced now that's why if you go to the fbi's website the vault you can find now hundreds and hundreds of subject matters which comprise altogether probably millions of pages because they've already been declassified, so you can read those. But if you've wanted something that hasn't already been declassified, that could be more difficult. And even if there is a file, you know, there's like six pieces of legislation that allow for the continuing withholding of files. You know, for example, if you wanted to find the FBI's file or one particular researcher and there was something in that file about, you know, the person's health. Um, Health 
privacy issues are actually one part of the Freedom of Information Act that can allow files not to be declassified because alive or dead, it violates a person's health privacy. The most expensive FOIA request that you've heard about, I've, I've heard of people doing requests and they get back, well, it's going to cost you uh, X amount of money for us to uh, to release that information. I've heard some outlandish sums. What What's the... What's your personal highest money amount, and what's the highest one that you've heard of? I couldn't. I know the, the highest one I've ever heard of is in you know literally in the thousands. But you know, if you're going to make a request, what they recommend is that you put like a, a dollar limit on it. You know, you say something like, "I hereby uh, request access to files on John Smith, whose last known address was etc. etc." And here's his obituary for uh, search fees and photocopying fees or, you know, put them in on a PDF, on a, on, a, on a disc and send it to you, I agree to pay up to, you know, $150. And if it, they think it's going to come to any more, they will let you know to see if you want to proceed beyond that point. As I said, you know, the, so, many re, so many files have surfaced that it's not, you know, it's not paranoia to think you've got a file when the Adamski, Van Tassel, Williamson, Bender... Yeah, all those Frank Stranges, all those files have been declassified, you know, so there's no reason why there shouldn't be files on us today. It would make more sense, that the, it would actually make great sense that there would be files on us when you look at the fact that that's how it was in the past as well. So. I shudder to think what kind of files they have on me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think a lot, a lot of these files, if you look at the older ones, they're sort of just basically collections of data, uh, you know, somebody goes along and listens to somebody's lecture so they get an idea of who you are. They might pick up a copy of the book. I mean, Frank Edwards's book, for example, uh, Flying Saucer's Serious Business, um, there's actually a three-page review uh, put together by the FBI on that book. Um, you know, so they do. They go out sort of the regular way of, of finding information. Now, and I guess... You know, if they want to take things further in today's world, that's much easier. You know, monitor your email, your cell phone, your landline, you know, your Twitter feed, Facebook messages. I mean, none of that is safe today, you know, and and it's far easier than having to sort of intercept mail and lurk outside somebody's home or whatever, you know. Um, So it wouldn't surprise me if, if it's still going on. You know, to what extent anything's actually done with it or it just, you know, enters this huge, you know, sort of online vault of data on this person and that person. I think that's probably more likely, you know, for the day when it may be needed, but probably won't. You know, as I said, I think a lot of it comes down to like parallels with animal rights people and things like that. They ju- certain people just view you as if you if you're into that kind of thing. You're a troublemaker, you're anti-government. When you're not, you know, you're just you're interested in something or you care about the environment or something that make you, right. you anti-government, you know. <laughs> well, this would be a good spot to uh, uh, ask one of the questions that we have at our question bank where our listeners are able to post questions that we then ask our, our guests here on the show. And this one comes from Chuckleberry Finn, who has been a poster here at the uh, at the question bank and on the forum since 2007 and uh, he's only got 693 messages and 
nine years, but uh, you you pulled him out of the woodwork, Nick. It's Chuckleberry Finn. And he's wondering if you know why were special agents of the FBI so deeply interested in the life, career, and activities of science fiction author Philip K. Dick? Now, this is something I didn't know, that he had an extensive uh, FBI file. Are you aware of this? Yeah, I've actually got Philip K. Dick's FBI file. I mean, if you read the file, it's actually a really weird one. He he wrote a number of letters to the FBI, which the FBI responded to and, and looked into. He uh, claimed that he'd uncovered this sort of post-war Nazi, almost like a Fourth Reich, which was secretly going around and speaking to sci-fi writers and basically, in some cases, trying to bribe them or threaten them into inserting pro-Nazi propaganda into their sci-fi novels. And he claimed, uh, Philip K. claimed that he was visited by several of these sort of sinister, sort of post-Third Reich, you know, even post-Fourth Reich kind of characters who wanted him to slant his sci-fi novels in a way that sort of posted the or pasted the um, the Nazis in, in a good light, so to speak. And he felt there was this vast conspiracy trying to invade the world of sci-fi writing to, to do that. And that, that was one of the main issues that um, caused the FBI to look into this particular story. Well, interesting. Do we have any other uh, other authors? Uh, Heinlein, uh, Bradbury, uh, Asimov? Well, I'm not sure. If Ray Bradbury's files on at the FBI's website, if I remember correctly, but it's, there's nothing sort of really major in there. One of the really interesting ones is it's actually two separate files, but one on L. Ron Hubbard and the other one on the Church of Scientology. Um, L. Ron Hubbard's file is, is extensive, and one of the weird and interesting things in there is that he reported to the FBI how, uh, or it reached the FBI through, through the police, I think, that um, he woke up in the middle of the night and there was this weird character in the bedroom who injected uh, something into his arm. Um, or his chest, I forget which one it was now, but it was basically that, you know, some sinister guy had come into the home and injected him with something. And, um, you know, it was a really weird story, and a couple of people I shared it with wondered if it actually was like some sort of early MK Ultra type thing, you know, sort of filling um, Hubbard with sort of mind-altering chemicals and whatever and you know and then of course he got involved in dianetics and scientology you know the one of the guys i spoke with actually wondered if it was sort of like um an mk ultra creation almost you know he was an unwitting individual in this program and part of it involved you know him being pumped with chemicals to uh, to get him around to this idea of aliens and ufos and so on Let's go into that and other stuff with Nick Redfern. Starting from Women in Black and going way, way beyond with Gene and Chris, you're in. The Paracast. The Paracast. Neighbors, I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app. It's the award-winning Graphic Converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features. And most important, it's easy to use. 
It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Let me spell that www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Are you tired of commuting to a job that makes someone else rich? Working harder than ever, but getting nowhere? Do you hate spending hundreds of dollars every week on daycare? Having someone else raise your children? With our opportunities, you can start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss, work from home, and live a happier life. At Be The Boss Network, you'll find hundreds of work-from-home opportunities that you can literally start today and be earning money as soon as next week. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss. Get out of the rat race. Work from home. Go to freedom106.com right now and change your life today. That's freedom, the number 106.com. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. You be the boss. Go to freedom106.com. This is Ben Gordon, and if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, Power Swabs is the answer. In five minutes, you'll see two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. There's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes, and you're done. To try Power Swabs, call 1-800-290-8480. Your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free. 1-800-290-8480. That's 1-800-290-8480. Dangerous blood clot device alert. If you or a loved one had an IVC filter placed to prevent blood clots from traveling to your heart or lungs and suffered an injury, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA warns that IVC filters may cause serious complications, such as heart or lung damage, internal bleeding, and even death. These dangerous blood clot devices can break and the metal fragments can travel to your heart or lungs causing serious injuries. If you or a loved one suffered organ damage or other injuries from an IVC filter, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800-478-1507-800-478-1507-800-478-1507. This is an advertisement. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. InjuryHelpDesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office, Las Vegas, Nevada. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. Hey, this is Marie D. Jones, the author of This Book is from the Future, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. I'll tell you, 
something here. The Scientologists are going to be after us. I was going to say, uh, well, the uh, the owners of this program do not, <laughs> you know, the, the, our guests do no. not reflect our editorial. <laughs> no, but, I mean, joking aside, it, it is interesting. I mean, that is actually in the file where it talks about, you know, um, and he wondered, I think, if, uh, I think he said something like it was to cause a thrombosis or something like that. But but he, but it is in the file, and there's a lot of interesting things about his background. Um, Anything about his, his uh, relationship with Jack Parsons? I don't think so. But Jack Parsons' FBI file has been declassified. That that's heavily extensive, and a lot of it deals with how he wanted to do some work, rocket-based work in Israel. And, of course, that sort of raised a few eyes and um, background checks were made and reportedly, supposedly, sort of taken some classified rocket-based files from the office and he lost his top-secret clearance with the military. Yeah, I was going to say, that, that they, they jerked yeah. his, uh, his clearance. Yeah, that's right, yeah. But there's some interesting things, little snippets in there. There's a few references in the FBI file to his uh, connections to Alistair Crowley and also to... You know, he's his own interest in the occult. And he makes references to things like, um, you know, he's hanging out with, quote, like, loose women and things like that. You know? yeah, the whore <laughs> of Babylon. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of those people who are interconnected, you know, like, as I said, like Hubbard and Parsons, you know, they all had files on them, and, um, and some of them have surfaced. So, you know, it's sort of a fascinating thing when you start looking into a lot of these Freedom of Information files. For example, in the Truman Bethroom file, Truman Bethroom was this 1950s um, contact who claimed to have met this um, hot-looking space alien woman named Aura Rains. Well, in the FBI files, and written by the FBI, Aura Rains is described, and I'm quoting exactly here, a, ra- a ravishing space commandant. <laughs> Who was uh, not even five foot tall. She was very, very diminutive. Yes, yeah, very short. But she, apparently she was pretty good looking, but she was like, yeah, really short. But you know, one of the weird things about, I actually talk about Truma Bethram and the Women in Black because Bethram had these alleged encounters with these these strange entities, if you like, from a planet so-called Clarion. And the captain of the craft was supposedly this Aura Rains. And um, um, Bethany himself described as being tops in shapeliness and beauty. That was his exact words versus the... Well, he wrote a, a whole book of rhyming yeah. couplets, poetry. <laughs> yeah, Super. that's right. And that, but it is a border bore, a, a flying source, so that's the sort of one that he's most well known for. Yeah, one of the lesser-known things, and I point about uh, this in the book, in the Women in Black book, is the fact that Bethlehem claimed to have seen Aura Rains actually walking down the streets of both Los Angeles and Las Vegas on a couple of occasions, and she was in disguise. And he described her as wearing black sunglasses, a black beret, a black long black top, black sunglasses, and a red skirt. So she was almost like a classic woman in black. This happened on several occasions where... Sounds like Linda Howe. Allegedly. What's that? Sounds like Linda Howe. She wears a beret. (laughs) Oh, I never thought about that. Mm. (laughs) But uh, One thing that bothers me, I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, could all this that Truman Bathroom came up with been a metaphor for some real-life relationship he had with a woman, but he couldn't admit he's just has the hots for this woman and oh, had yeah. an affair, so he made up this whole story about a woman from outer space. 
Well, I, had, I don't think he made it up in terms of he deliberately no. lied or anything like that. But there, a good, very good case can be made that there was a major psychological aspect to it. Because when he allegedly met Aura Rains, he was on his second marriage, and that was already in trouble. So, you know, and he was working away from his wife for several months out in Nevada while she was back home in California. And he claimed to have these eerie encounters with this this woman, Aura Rains, on a place called um, Mormon Mesa in Nevada. And if you read his story, uh, when he met these little people, the Clarionites, as they were called, and the, you know, the, uh, the leader of the Clarionites, this beautiful woman, they actually sound like classic Middle Ages era stories of, you know, somebody gets taken, a man gets taken to the fairy kingdom and, you know, has sex with a fairy queen and then finds that 200 years have gone by instead of two months, that kind of thing. There's a lot of parallels there. And another thing that's quite telling is that after his second divorce, Bethram got married for a third time to a woman named Alvira Roberts. Now, Alvira begins with A and ends with A, as does Aura, and Roberts begins with R and ends with S, as does Reigns. So, subconsciously or not, you know, it was all perhaps Alvira Roberts and Aura Reigns, you know, that wasn't coincidental. It was like he was so obsessed with this woman, whether she was real or not. You could really do a good psychological study on him as to whether or not he had real experiences or his mind was so altered if you like and he actually believed the fantasies that he didn't lie about but may have sprung into his mind as a way to try and you know like a comfort zone or something along those lines yeah ray stanford um, has a very interesting story that really makes you scratch your head about uh, about truman bathroom and, and that is that supposedly before she left to return to Clarion, she went into a um, a jewelry store and had a special pendant made for Truman. She was unable, because she was leaving, she was unable to give it to him, but she extracted a promise from the jeweler that when he saw Truman to give him this as a, as a parting gift. This was told uh, a friend, I think, if I remember correctly, a friend of Truman's, uh, uh, was the one that told Ray this story. It was something to do with um, the jeweler kind of put his initials on the back of this. It was like a medallion uh, and you know that you wore around your neck with a chain. And evidently, um, I, I, I have to go back to my uh, manuscript of the book, uh, the Ray book, but um, evidently there was validation of this later when the jeweler, I think, saw Truman at a... Um, um, speaking at a conference or something, and he saw he was wearing the medallion, and it had his initials on it, something like that. Or, or the, the jeweler told this guy the story, and the guy didn't know whether to believe it or not. And then he saw Truman, and, and he saw the medallion. He turned it over, and sure enough, there was the initials on there. I, I have to go back to get all the details, but but Ray was very impressed with this, and, and in fact. He said, you know, he met all these guys, uh, Williamson, uh, George Van Tassel, Adamski, spent quite a bit of time picking his brain and, and debunking his fo- photographs, uh, ultimately. But he said out of all of them, the, the one that he seems to think maybe had some validity or some truth to it was the Truman Bethram uh, account. Uh, for some reason, he just was, uh, he just had a feeling that something really extraordinary had happened to the guy and that 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 maybe he, he, had, he had embellished 
embellish the, the story, but but the, the essence of the story, according to Ray, appeared to, to ring true on it, <laughs> for what that's worth. If we don't do this, we'll have more troubles. We've got Nick Redfern, Gene Steinberg, Chris O'Brien. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. Don't know what contaminants are lurking in your water? Time to get a ProPure. Take advantage of ProPure's holiday sale. Save 25% on all ProPure water filter products. Sales good through December 31st. There's a ProPure water filter for you. Visit your authorized ProPure dealer for details or ProPureUSA.com. That's P-R-O-P-U-R-U-S-A.com. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation. Reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you. People seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com. And if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more. And this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com. ParanormalDate.com. And use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. Will the government protect your family from Iran and North Korea's newest weapon, EMP? We buy guns to protect ourselves. Home, health, and car insurance for accidents. Maybe you also have food storage. But how would you keep your refrigerator running in a long-term EMP blackout? 
Using tested military designs, the Solark EMP-hardened solar generator protects and powers your critical appliances for years without burying items underground or wrapping them in aluminum foil. Unlike other preps, Solark is used every day to help offset your electric bill automatically. Visit PortableSolarLLC.com to learn how easily expandable the system is. Solark is the most affordable and powerful solution on the market. The whole system even fits in the back of a pickup or SUV and can install in less than an hour. See for yourself why Solark beats other off-grid systems at PortableSolarLLC.com. Don't wait for the government. Go to PortableSolarLLC.com to learn why Solark is energy insurance for your family. This is Robert Hastings, author of UFOs and Nukes, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Okay, so according to Ray Stanford, if any of these cases has any authenticity, it would be Truman Bathroom. Of course, there's also the theory that George Adamski had something happen to him early on, years before his alleged contact in the desert, and he wasn't getting the attention he wanted. So he embellished the contact in the desert to make himself famous. Right, and and fabricated the uh, photographs. In fact, he even showed Ray and his, his twin brother Rex how he, uh, his uh, photographic techniques, the famous shot of the mothership uh, with the glowing objects uh, kind of hovering around it. He, uh, Adamski had a friend who worked at a, a watch company, and they used to use uh, highly radioactive radium <laughs> to make the numbers glow. And he got a, a, small, a small pail of this radium <laughs> and used it to, to make the saucers glow in the... Uh, in, in the uh, in which he then photographed and uh, Ray says, "Well, you know that stuff's pretty dangerous." He goes, "Oh, I got a whole, you know, I got a little bucket over to, over here." <laughs> <laughs> well, I think sometimes, you know, with the early contactees, they weren't lying. I think they may actually have experienced something which sort of manifested in something that it sort of hauled out of their imagination and their subconscious. In other words, you know, we could be dealing with some sort of phenomenon that could be literally extraterrestrial, it could be here, but gets into our minds, gets into the depths of our imagination and our subconscious and manifests for us in the most applicable and relevant way to communicate with us. Maybe that's why today people see the greys, because they're so ingrained in popular culture. That's right. why in the early 50s, people saw, like Adamski saw, the long-haired Space Brothers. Maybe Truman Bethune wasn't lying, but his mind, some intelligence, ethereal intelligence, presented itself in the form of exactly what Truman Bethune wanted, the perfect woman after having two failed marriages, you know. So maybe there's something to that idea that, you know, the phenomenon... Perhaps that's why the phenomenon changes so much over the years, because right. it's responding to our perceptions of how it should appear, you know. Right. And it's almost like a, it may be some sort of collective thing that there is yeah. uh, in some way coming up with the types of scenarios that create these super memes, uh, these meme plexes, that the ultimate end of, of the end result is to draw us off planet so that we uh, we get off the uh, the Earth before it gets hit by an asteroid or destroyed by nuclear war or, you know, whatever. Um, We do need to get out and see the uh, cosmos at some point before the planet 
you know, at least in a billion years, we know the sun's going to probably go supernova and, and all life in the inner solar system will be, uh, you know, toasted. So it could be some sort of collective evolutionary imperative that's being enacted through specific key people in history who somehow managed to push the, the, uh, the memeplex forward. Well, yeah, I mean, that's actually one of the theories, kind of like that, that's been put forward for the men in black, that they're so ingrained in society and that, pe- you know, people are aware of this image that we unknowingly create them, you know, that we've created the image of these sort of sinister guys in black with the fedoras that kind of give off this air of authority, like official authority, but which clearly aren't, but which may not be... Without us, they may not be able to live because in some strange way, our subconscious has created that particular image and then expanded on it as the phenomenon becomes more and more known. You know, kind of a classic situation in more modern times would be like the Slender Man, which, you know, was absolutely a, an internet creation. And now people swear they see the Slender Man. Well, maybe they actually are because so many people know of it that we've inadvertently... Manifested it. Collectively <laughs> manifested a real Slender Man. Right. Well, it's interesting that the, the early Men in Black reports, going all the way back to uh, to Barker and, and the, the early 50s uh, uh, reports, that's right when film noir was really had just peaked. And yeah, uh, yeah. the whole black and white sort of, uh, uh, you know, sinister men in fedoras lurking in the shadows yeah. uh, was, was quite a, a very strong and, and prevalent um, artistic motif in, in film. And so maybe that that had something to do with with the actual detailing of of these uh, these entities as they manifest and uh, get all sinister on our on our on, on our witnesses. So again, we're creating yeah, our own men in black. Right? Yeah, that's one possibility. No, it's like after Close Encounters, uh, we had an upsurge in in you know in UFO reports. Um, after Communion came out, we had an upsurge in reports of of alien greys, and they only really happened initially in the United States. And it, it took quite a number of years for that that meme to filter outside of the United States, and, and reports of of alien greys uh, start being reported in other countries. Um, I forget who it was, uh, but a number of years ago, somebody tried to tried to figure out what the earliest uh, Alien Gray report was. And uh, quite a number of uh, people were contacted and, and asked to go through their files and see if they could come up with the earliest uh, account of an Alien Gray, that, that very classic sort of archetypal motif. And, of course, the earliest one would be uh, Alistair Crowley and, and Lamb in 1919, where he changed the eyes to, to make them look more human-like because the original drawing was so so scary that uh, friends said, if you're going to publicly release this, you got to make it a little bit less uh, alien-looking, <laughs> basically. So I don't know. What's the earliest uh, alien gray account that you can think of, Nick? Um, well, certainly, the, you know, the Lamb one is, you know, a classic. But what I would actually say, you know, there are a lot of parallels if you look back at the old sort of five, six hundred year encounters, year old encounters in Europe, and particularly, you know, like Scotland, Ireland, and Wales of so-called fairy encounters. Now, today, people think of fairies, you know, they think of like Tinkerbell and little characters flitting around, you know, little lights and Christmas trees, all that kind of thing. If you go back you know, five, six hundred years, the fairies were like 
quite sinister things. They were sort of small, you know, entities that would live deep underground and they would interact with people. They could be friendly, they could be malevolent. They would steal babies and leave what was called a changeling, like this crudely carved model of a baby. They would seduce men to have sex with them because reportedly the fairy population was blighted and was dying and needed, quote, new stock. People would have missing time experiences with the fairies. So you can actually put all of those stories into a UFO context and they parallel very, very closely a lot of today's abduction stories. So, right. you know, one person's grey could be another person's fairy or goblin, you know, or sprite. Right. And so, you know, to get back to your question, some of those centuries-old stories could be their equivalents of the greys. You know, it could have been one and the same thing. Yeah. Well, of course, the two preeminent books on this subject are uh, uh, Fairy Faith in the, in the Celtic Countries by uh, Evans Wentz, uh, which came out, I think, in the early 1900s. And then, of course, Jacques Vallée's uh, seminal work, uh, Passport to Magonia. So uh, anybody that wants to look at those parallels, uh, those are two highly recommended books. The most recent Evans Wentz uh, book has a very, very interesting and eye-opening introduction by the one and only Terence McKenna. <laughs> oh, cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, how about a couple of other questions here that we have? Um, here's one from Spectre73, who's been a member of the Paracast for about a year and a half. And he's wondering, he says, a few of us Paracast UK listeners are getting together in the new year to start our own research. And I think they're 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 interested in haunted sites. Uh, I, I'm even going to try to make it over there if possible. But um, what what advice would you give for getting into field investigation? It's kind of an op open ended big question. But uh, you know, do you have any well, pointers, any tips? Before we have those tips, let's do our break and come back with our final segment with Nick Redfern. With Gene Steinberg and Chris O'Brien, you're in The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast Jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. 
We use cell phones against our heads every day. But now, a landmark U.S. government study confirms increased health risks from exposure to EMF radiation emitted from these devices. The time to protect yourself is now. The solution is Defender Shield. Proudly made in the USA, Defender Shield blocks virtually 100% of EMF radiation emitted from cell phones, tablets, and laptops. Buy now at DefenderShield.com. Use discount code DEFENDER for 10% off. DefenderShield.com, the worldwide leader in EMF radiation protection. And now, three recent financial memories. Remember the market drops of 02, the financial crisis of 08, the flash crash of 2010. It's not if, but when. What do you have in place to protect your profits? OnTheMarkMoney.com introduces WealthGuard, a complete portfolio monitoring system that sends out direct alerts when your accounts hit a targeted downside value, and it works with all your retirement accounts, even 401k. Learn how to get WealthGuard free. Go to OnTheMarkMoney.com. If you or someone you care about loves outdoor adventure, then check out Slingbow.com for some unique holiday gift ideas. That's Slingbow.com, where we have some innovative new products for the archer, hunter, or bow fishing enthusiast in your family. Now through January, use the promo code HOLIDAY to get free shipping in the U.S. or Canada. And from all of us at Slingbow Industries, have a safe, joyous, and peaceful holiday season. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. Do you feel like you're losing control over your finances? If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services and take advantage of the Fresh Start program and new laws that may allow us to negotiate a settlement for the lowest amount possible. Our team of tax attorneys and enrolled agents can stop collections and get you protected so you can take control of your financial future. Tax Mediation Services is accredited by the Better Business Bureau. Call now for a free case review and a price protection guaranteed quote. Call Tax Mediation Services now at 800-615-7709. That's 800-615-7709. 800-615-7709. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. Hi, this is nuclear physicist lecturer Stanton Friedman. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Okay, Nick Redfern, I know you're chomping at the bit to provide an answer to the listener question mentioned at the end of the last segment. So go ahead, please. Yeah. Um, I think the one thing I would say more than anything else is if you're going to get into the UFO subject and investigate it, do field work and things like that, don't go into it with a preconceived conclusion or idea as to what you think UFOs are, where they're from, or what their agenda is. Just look at each case on its own merit. I think some of the biggest damage 
in ufology has been done by people who've got preconceived beliefs as to what happened in this case or where where the entities are from or whatever. The ideas and the themes have stuck to where they've become perceived as 100% truth. So I think the important thing is look at it open-mindedly. Maybe the subject or the phenomenon is extraterrestrial. Maybe it's interdimensional, multidimensional, paranormal, time travelers, who knows? But don't get caught up in saying it's definitely this or that. That's what I would avoid on any investigation. Be objective. Yeah. And my tip would be always assume a mundane explanation until you can prove something extraordinary occurred. Assume a mundane explanation and let the facts and the evidence disprove your assumption. If you're going to assume anything, assume that it's mundane. (laughs) Just be grounded as well, you know. And I have 13 rules, uh, suggested rules of investigation that I've published in three of my books. So Mysterious Valley, Enter the Valley, and Secrets of the Mysterious Valley has 13 suggested rules of investigation. Don't ask leading questions uh, is a good one. Appearances can be deceiving. Um, Also, be aware of coincidences and synchronicities. Oftentimes, those are indications that you're on the right track. Don't rely solely on intuition. Uh, Intuition can be an invaluable investigative tool, but it is not the end-all to be-all. You can't totally um, rely on your intuitive sense um, about a person, case, or uh, event. The rules of engagement. (laughs) And learn from Nick and uh, John Greenwald how to do FOIA uh, (laughs) requests. Because, boy, they got it down to a science. I don't do them anymore now. I mean, the ones I've got, you know, the FBI is always posting new ones on their website. They just um, reposted after a few years the Nikola Tesla file, which is a good one. Um, But I I don't do FOIA stuff anymore. Um, I sort of did what I wanted to do, and I know a lot of other people are doing it. So, you know, I prefer now just to sort of focus on, you know, witness investigations, that kind of thing, or expeditions as well. Once they get a request, when they actually have that information, they can just post it. That's a normal process, isn't it now? Yeah, I mean, if, if an individual posts, you know, requests something, they will mail it to you. But if they're just going through their own files to see what can be released, if they find stuff that can and they think it will interest people, yeah, they, they'll post it to the vault. Yeah. That's the name yeah. of the FBI's website, the vault. Yeah. Right, and also John Greenwald's Black Vault files. I think he's yeah. got over a million pages of documents there. Amongst all the FOIA stuff, the FOIA stuff that you got, Nick... Anything really surprise you, or was most of it pretty much expected? There's one file that kind of surprises me. That's the FBI's file on... You remember in 1986 when the space shuttle Challenger exploded on takeoff, uh, killing all the crew? Well, the FBI opened a file on this to see if it could have been sabotage, uh, because a number of people around the country were saying that they thought they saw like some sort of light flash towards the fuel tank, you know, the... The idea of like some sort of laser-guided weapon or something from terrorists. But what's really weird is there's quite a substantial section in that file, which the FBI took very seriously and interviewed the source. It was a woman who claimed sort of contact with higher extraterrestrial entities who told her who destroyed the, shut- the shuttle and why it was destroyed 
And it runs to like 20-something pages, and that section of the file runs to about 20 pages. And some of the files, the pages in that file, are still classified. You know, so that, that's kind of a, a weird little file. You know, you'd imagine it would be just a straightforward file on the shuttle explosion and was it accident, was it terrorist? But now there's actually a section in there. It almost sounds like a channeling contactee type situation with this woman getting these messages from these higher entities as she turns. Say what? Yeah. Leave no stone unturned. Yeah, go to the vault and and type in space shuttle and you'll see the file. And when you dig your way through it, you'll see there's an entire section on this woman who said she knew why it was connected supposedly with some ancient Japanese cult, sacrificial rites and all sorts of weird stuff. But the information she said came from these higher beings. Or it may have been just a case of trying to be complete in their investigation. So they add anything, even oh, yeah. if it may seem yeah. irrelevant. No, I mean, I don't dispute that, but in terms of high strangeness in a file, whatever the motivation, it, it is weird to find that in the file, oh. you know what I mean? Any new revelations on the Collins elite, who you mentioned in your book, Final Events, uh, this yeah. group within the government? Occasionally I get things, but nothing major. I mean, people have often said to me, you know, will you ever do a follow-up book? And I probably won't, because there's not enough material to justify to writing it. It would just be filler right now, you know. I mean, I'll give you an example. I've got a few cases in the last couple of years where military pilots had seen UFOs and a couple of police officers, and two of them told me personally how they were visited by representatives of this particular group who asked them all sorts of questions about what they thought the phenomenon was and did it have any sort of occult or even demonic overtones to it and and it kind of sounded like the sort of people who were in the Collins elite. This was back in the seventies though. Um so that there are th- little things like that have surfaced now and again, but but nothing major, you know, and that's that's you know, just one of the unfortunate things that sometimes you get something and you hit a brick wall and, you know, doors close or whatever, but um, I still look out for stuff, and I still get things now and again, but as I said, it, it's snippets, but they are sometimes snippets that make me think that they're still around, or you know, they, they were doing stuff that you know went beyond just what I included in the book. So. Yeah. We're just about out of time, Nick. What do you have on your agenda? Well, actually, uh, <laughs> believe it or not, next year I'll have another book out, which is like a combination of all the latest, latest MIB and Women in Black cases I've got. I've also got an A to Z book coming out with Visible Ink Press next year called Secret Societies. It's like uh, 200 entries of secret societies throughout the centuries and up to the present day. If someone wants to get in touch with you, where can they check out your stuff? Um, Well, I have a blog called World of Whatever. If people type in Nick Redfern, World of Whatever, they'll find a blog and there's a contact page there or they can Reach me at Twitter, it's Nick Redfern UFO, or Facebook. People can reach me there too, and um, all the books are on Amazon, and some of them are at Barnes & Noble as well. Yes, there still is a Barnes & Noble. There are still bookstores, still one or two left. <laughs> yeah. You can find us on Twitter. Just look for the PowerCast on Twitter. Most of our activities there, very frankly, aren't sending provocative notes at 3 a.m., They're putting up announcements about the shows and future shows. We have a presence on Facebook, which is much the same thing. Two Paracast fan clubs. 
We also have another radio show. In addition to the ones on Paracast Plus, I do something called the Tech Night Out Live about technology and Apple and Microsoft and all that stuff. But we have that second radio show going on called After the Paracast for Paracast listeners, only available if you subscribe to the Paracast Plus. Go to plus.theparacast.com, P-L-U-S dot theparacast.com. We offer the After the Paracast podcast, which can be all sorts of things, interviews, just us talking. You never know. We give you the commercial-free version of this show. We've added videos. We've added content from Paul Kimball's Other Side of Truth that includes the audio shows, some videos, like I said, a vintage video of Nick Redfern turned up there. He didn't even know that. We found it, or actually Paul found it. If you want to learn more on the monthly rates start just $4.99 for a subscription, go to plus.plus.theparacast.com, plus.theparacast.com. Nick Redfern, thanks for joining us on The Paracast. Thanks, guys. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast. <laughs>